I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Well, good morning again. Good to see you. Been a few months since I was with you. I was on a video meeting with uh, Pastor Tim on Thursday. He was not behaving himself, so I know you're not surprised, uh, but I'm so thankful for him, your ministry all throughout the area. If you have your Bibles, if you would open up or power up, whatever it might be, to Isaiah chapter 28, we'll be in verse 14 through 23 this morning. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 14 through 23. Here's God's word. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, O scoffers, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have made a pact. The overwhelming scourge will not reach us when it passes by. For we have made falsehood our refuge. We have concealed ourselves with deception. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. Then hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the secret place. Your covenant with death will be canceled, and your pact with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, then you become its trampling place. As often as it passes through, it will seize you. For morning after morning, it will pass through, any time, during the day or night. And it will be sheer terror to understand what it means. The bed is too short on which to stretch out. The blanket is too small to wrap oneself in. For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim, and he will be stirred up as in the valley of Gibeon to do his task, his unusual task, and to work his work, his extraordinary work. And now do not carry on as scoffers. For your fetters will be made stronger. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts of decisive destruction on all the earth. Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my words. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we have lifted up your name through song. And Lord, we ask now, would you lift up your truth through your word? Would you... Teach us what we do not know. Make us who you desire us to be. Lord, my prayer is that when we leave here today, we would look more like you than when we arrived. And so, Father, I do thank you so much for being this microphone of you for this moment. Lord, if I were to stray one syllable, would you remove me immediately as we are gathered here to only hear from you and you only. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 2020 is halfway through. A year that began with great expectation. Right now it feels a little bit more like a disappointment. 
Keyword, uncertainty. Every single other word that doesn't seem as fitting as uncertainty describes most of the moments and the minutes of 2020. Do we follow this doctor's opinion or do we follow the CDC guidelines? Is it Fox News or is it this Facebook post or CNN or mask or no mask? seems that wherever we go, there's another set of guidelines or things that we need to consider as to what we do. And we think, if we can just find the right news source, if we can just find the right channel of information in order to kind of build our life upon, then our days will be okay. And we'll be able to find some source of calm and comfort in the midst of a day that is often marked by chaos and confusion. And so the basic question of each morning, really each minute of the day, becomes, who are we listening to? And from whom are we getting our information? This really becomes a dance of discernment that goes on every single day. And I don't know about you, I'm kind of tired of dancing with discernment. Ecclesiastes 1.9, though, it informs us that there is nothing new under the sun. And so this is not the first go-around of a discernment dance. In fact, 700 years before Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem the week of his crucifixion, is this text Isaiah, when Jerusalem faces the same pressure, the country is facing its own national dilemma. 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, they actually give the historical background. You're welcome to look at that. But through this passage in Isaiah, God gives his own insight into the circumstances of their national dilemma, their discernment dance, their moment of uncertainty. Let me give you a, a bit of history, if I may. You'll see a map up on the screen in just a moment. By these days that have before us in this text of Isaiah, that great kingdom that had been built by King Saul, followed by King David, followed by Solomon, that we think is so much of the Old Testament, by this point that Isaiah is before us, it now lies in two pieces. In the north is Israel, with its capital city of Samaria. In the south is Judah, with its capital city of Jerusalem. Holy infidelity, though, political instability, begin to erode these two kingdoms that had been one and then they're split. Ultimately, as history tells us, in 722 B.C., Israel falls. When the Assyrian king, Sargon II, marches in with that powerful, powerful Assyrian army and crushes it, north collapsed. The next in line is Judah, the southern kingdom. The capital city is Jerusalem. Over the following decades, there's skirmishes and there's wars and there are battles. And Judah tries to defend itself against the Assyrian threat. Now there's a new Assyrian king. His name is King Sennacherib. He wants it. But Judah and their king, new king, Hezekiah will not let them take it. By 700 BC, as we're reading this text, King Hezekiah has been making a many reforms, good decisions. Many of the political 
uh, systems had been broken down. The revolution had been taking place religiously as many of the pagan practices were abolished. The temple had been reconstructed. Some might even call it a national revitalization that was taking place in Judah. But despite all of the progress all across Judah, there was still this threat coming at them that through once was Israel, Assyria is still knocking on their door, threatening repeatedly to crush them. Fear is now infecting every single corner of Judah. The headlines all read the same. The end is near. Uncertainty. And now Hezekiah, all the people of Judah, they are in the middle of this national dilemma marked by uncertainty and fear. And they're having to ask the question, what or who will be our solution in this dance of discernment for us? In their national dilemma, they have a choice to make. It's the same choice I'm going to give to you this morning. Look up or look south. Look up to God or look south somewhere else. Yes, it's a Baptist sermon having only two points, but it's going to be okay. It'll fly. The first I want you to notice is the deadly disappointment. A deadly disappointment. You see this highlighted in verses 14 and 15 of Isaiah 28. At this point, Isaiah and King Hezekiah, they are urging the Judean citizens to look to God. However, inside the political system, there is these political advisors, there's these economic and religious counselors. They have other plans. Though Hezekiah says, folks, we need to find a spiritual solution for our national dilemma. These other advisors... They say, no, we need a political one. And so with Assyria coming down from the north, they say, we need to look to the south. If you have your Bibles there before you, you can turn to the back of your Bible and the maps if you would like. You can see even more detail there. So with Assyria coming down at them from the north, they say, we need to look to the south. We need to look to Egypt. Egypt to help us for our national dilemma." Egypt, they thought, will keep us safe. God doesn't fit into moments like this. Oh, Egypt, they're going to protect us. All God's promises that we've known through Moses, no, it don't cover situations like this. This is unique. This is outside God's description. We need an Egypt. I want you to notice the pride that they really had got highlighted in verse 15. This overwhelming scourge, which is, is uh, Assyria coming, it will not reach us when it passes by. This group, they really believe that Judah, they were untouchable if they just sided with the government of Egypt. For them, they thought, if we're going to look to God, that's foolish for a day like this. Who looks to God in the midst of a national dilemma? Hezekiah, that's dumb. It's foolish. 
And so the recommendation to Hezekiah from these advisors is that the answer to our moment of uncertainty has found the way of politics. We need an Egypt. That was the counsel that Judea heard, Judah heard, and Hezekiah heard. This was the message that was spreading all across the country. God described their heart this way. If you were to flip over one chapter into Isaiah 29, here's what it says in verse 13. God is describing their heart. This people, they draw near to me with their words. They honor me with lip service. But they remove their hearts far from me. And the reverence for me consists of tradition and learned by rote. Friends, this is functional atheism is what it is. Meaning they confess their love of God with their mouth, but they denied Him with their lifestyle and their daily decisions. For them, God was an event that they went to, not a relationship that they walked in. And so for their national dilemma, political solutions served as their functional savior for the moment, or so they thought. Friends, let me just take a moment and say this. God has ordained the institution of government. He has done it for our good and for His glory. And whatever government style that is reflected in all the world, whether it's our democratic republic or another type of system, every government is purposed to give guidance, to ensure justice, and to help bring about order to whatever that society is. Romans chapter 13, it really informs us of the good purpose that God has placed the government for us. 1 Timothy 2 tells us here as Christians, here's how we are to relate to a government, how we're to pray for governmental leaders. But let me just say this. Regardless of the country or the type of government you're under, or regardless of your political affiliation within the American system, politics make a really lousy God. I want you to notice how God describes the potential partnership. If Hezekiah chose for Judah to now partner up with Egypt, I want you to look back into verse 15. He just says, if y'all do this, Judah, it's going to be a covenant of death. It's going to be a pact with Sheol, which was the Old Testament way that they refer to the place of the dead. It's going to be a rescue plan that's built on lies and deception. Now, if you to flip over two chapters to Isaiah 30, 1 through 3, here's what God says about this potential partnership for their national dilemma. Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but it's not mine, and make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the safety of Pharaoh will be your shame and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt, your humiliation. Now, perhaps as you're sitting here in 2020 and you're reading this account of history, it's going through your mind, Judah, what are you thinking? I, I mean, when there is a national dilemma that comes, trust in God. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. Egypt, it looks strong, but God is stronger. 
Whatever the situation, follow God at all costs. If you put your hope in Egypt, you're just foolish. And that's the counsel that we today would would give to Judah. It's kind of like watching a scary movie and we know what's behind the corner. It's that insurance commercial one. What do they choose between? Getting in the running car or do they get behind the chainsaws? It was like, yeah, go with the chainsaws. You're thinking, what are you thinking? And that's our counsel to Judah with Egypt. But before we get the speck out of Judah's eye, we need to check our own eyes for logs of the exact same behavior. There's this question that hangs out there for our moment of uncertainty. Our moment and our season of uncertainty that is now 2020. Are we truly looking to God for our emotional responses to today's events? For the guidance, for the decisions that we need to make. To secure hope and peace of heart? Or are we looking to politics? Are the opinions of a collective number of people on social media or a certain TV program that you like to get your guidance from? In this day of uncertainty, are we looking for an Egypt? Perhaps your response in these months of 2020 looks more like the wavering Judah than you first wanted to admit. May I ask this, this Lord's Day, where is your hope actually functionally resting? Have you increased your screen time but decreased your knee time in prayer? The question really is this, where right now in 2020 is your functional trust? Here's what I mean. Are you confessing Jesus with your mouth, but denying him with your lifestyle and daily decisions? You proclaim like Judah did, God's number one. Jesus is number one. But functionally, in the strides of every moment of your week, you're looking elsewhere. I don't mean that we're uninformed by doctors those in the medical profession who are doing just an unbelievable job working to be able to to find vaccines and to treat people. I don't mean that we ignore the government who was working and making up new guidelines that have never had to exist before. We're blessed by medical professionals. We're blessed by our government. They're doing good work. But regardless of those good efforts, where is your source of peace and hope an ultimate guiding wisdom. Regardless of the actions or the stats or the news reports or the opinions that pop on your screen. Too many Christians are living as James described as double-minded. Here's what I mean. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. If I can just find the right news source, I can finally get some help. 
The peace of God surpasses all understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If Congress would just do their job, I could finally have hope and peace. Friends, as authentic followers of Jesus Christ, our responsibility is to take whatever information is shared in this world, however it comes to us, and to pass it through the filter of God's Word that is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and allow for the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to guide us into all truth. To take up our cross daily and follow Him. That's our responsibility. Not to hear whatever that they say. And I don't know who they is, but they are speaking a whole lot today. And to blindly follow whoever they are and whatever they say. We follow them. We get worried about what they say. But we call ourselves Christ followers. Friends, it's kind of like riding a bike. Where you look is where you're going to go. God warned Judah if they went the Egypt route... For their national dilemma, they would be greatly disappointed. Several years ago, I was on a mission trip in Southeast Asia. 13 hours ahead of here, and so I got there, and I was just exhausted and wiped out. It was a long, long trip. But I got there, and I wanted to go to the hotel and just crash for a little bit. But I got there, and I very quickly realized, like, man, this, this bed looks very inviting to crash on. I was so ready. And then I quickly realized Southeast Asia was not built for six foot three because the beds were not there. And the blanket, wow, I thought it was going to be big enough, not. And so something that, man, it overpromised, it greatly underdelivered. And in this situation right here, like Egypt, he says that Egypt would be a bed that is too small, too short, and a blanket that is too small and too short. If they did that choice, it would be a disappointment. Hadn't that been another key word of 2020? We want to do fireworks. Nope, not happening. We want to go to this concert. Nope, not happening. We want to go to this restaurant. Oh, nope. Not happening. We want to go ball games. No, not happening. Unless you pay for your cutout to be behind the backstop. <laughs> it's just a year of disappointment. But here God says, if Judah chooses Egypt for their national dilemma, the disappointment's not just going to be sad. It's actually going to be deadly. So he warns them, don't go that way. Let me ask again. Are you looking for an Egypt this year? Another place of, to be consoled? That's not God. God had an alternate choice for their deadly disappointment. He had a costly cornerstone. That's number two. Deadly disappointment, number two. Co uh, costly cornerstone. All throughout the county and even directly across the street, subdivisions are just popping up all over like popcorn. When the builder begins, they have to get the elevation boards just right, then they can come in with the footing, then they can do the foundation, then they can get the boards and the walls, and everything goes up from there. But if they mess up on the elevation boards, if that first step is not accurate, the rest of the building process is just going to be a catastrophe. It's just all going to 
crumble accordingly. And here in block architecture that this is referring to, that first big cornerstone has a crucial role. It has to be this big old block cornerstone that guess where it's at? Corner. There you go. It has to be at the exact elevation required, pointed in the exact direction the rest of the building needs to go so that it can order the rest of the build. The cornerstone's huge. The cornerstone has to be comprised of the strongest of materials in order to endure the life of the structure. And in the face of an Egyptian option that Judah is considering here, God is offering His people through Isaiah in verse 16. Something else. In verse 16. It says, You're looking to Egypt. Behold, I am laying a Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. And he who believes in it will not be disturbed. So he's promising this rightly laid stone that you can actually align your life on at the perfect everything. You can align yourself to it. He is promising this tested stone that whatever comes, it's going to be able to endure it. He's promising this costly stone that you can't just run out to Walmart or order on Amazon, even if you are a prime member and can get it in two days. No, it has to be something that's costly. That's what he's promising right here. It's of great value. And God says, I'm going to lay this stone in Zion, which is Jerusalem. And if you would rest your life on this stone, instead of looking to Egypt, if you would rest your life on this stone, you will not be disturbed. I want you to underline that word right there in your Bible. The word right there is the word yakish. Here's what it means, yakish, disturbed. Here's what it fully means. Not be hastened, shall not waver, not be hurried, not be in a frenzy, no cause for panic. Yakish. Isn't that what we're wanting this year? To not be in a panic, not live in a frenzy. On this cornerstone, you can build your life, you can build your church, you can build your country, you can build your relationships, you can build everything on this cornerstone. You can find your peace. Threats can come from without. It's, it's going to be good enough. Fears are going to might rise up from within. It's going to be good enough. It's not going anywhere. If you believe in this stone, you won't be disturbed. Yakish. You'll be locked in. You can trust the cornerstone that God's going to promise. He promises to lay. It won't disappoint you. And what God promises, He delivers. Look at these verses that confirm it. 1 Peter 4. And coming to Him is a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for this is contained in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 3. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Friends, Christ Jesus is the cornerstone that our Creator has supplied graciously to us for us to build upon. He is the one to look to on the easy days. He is the cornerstone to look to on the difficult days. He is the one to build upon in the national dilemma days of uncertainty. When life presses down on you, threatens you, attacks you. Because this Christ, the cornerstone, is tested. And he was found to be without sin. This Christ, the cornerstone, is costly. Cost him his very life. And whatever may come from any direction, regardless of its severity, Without, within, you can trust Him. Let me say this, beginning with your eternal home. Remember that Hebrew word, yakish. Say that, yakish. It's like something we eat. Yakish. It has a Greek brother. We know in Romans 10... 9 and 10 is kind of that frequent passage that you might be familiar with. Remember it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with a mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. But then there's verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. I tell you, in a year of 2020, I'm looking for something that doesn't disappoint. Our Creator is graciously offering everybody a non-disappointing, eternal foundation that does not shift or change depending on a political poll or the recent news cycle. Now, to receive this foundation, it will require an individual to turn from the direction towards of sin that their nature is in and heading to. To turn from sin and self and to turn towards God, put your faith in Jesus Christ and follow Him. Then one can build upon this cornerstone. Some of you perhaps here this morning need to do that. After the service, I'll be available. Joe will be available. If we can help you build your life on the cornerstone of Christ, we'll be happy to do that. But it's not just for eternal life. This is for the here and now and the strides of every day. Look in verse 17 to see how God aligns and guides and sustains us now. Verse 17, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. 
Point family, listen to this because this is all over the news, all over the headlines. Justice is massive right now. A call for justice. And justice is good things. It's God, it's a godly characteristic. But know this any endeavor to bring about justice and what is right, whether it be in a personal relationship or in a church or in a country, any effort that does not begin and build upon a foundation of Christ Jesus as the cornerstone in that strategy and effort, it will be a disappointment and it will fail. Now, if you don't really care for the option of building your life on a cornerstone of Jesus, let me just give you two other options. One, you can have you as the cornerstone. That's a question that says, here's what I want. So I'm going to build my life upon me. I'm going to be true to myself as everyone pushes And I want to build a life on me. So a life built on you is that your preferences and your wants and your desires is what everything's built upon. You get everybody else around you to build their life on you. Your life is aligned by you, guided by you. But guess what? If it's going to be tested, you cannot be overwhelmed by this world. Make sense? It's not very good. If you're the cornerstone and you can't stand up under any pressure this world can offer. But you could serve as the cornerstone. It's a form of idolatry, but you're able to be a cornerstone. You can make society and culture a cornerstone. If you're like, okay, I'm not going to build it upon me. Let's build it upon we. Let's just build a country based off what all we want. Let's build a church based off whatever we want. Let's build a a whole world based off of consensus. And what does everybody prefer in that moment? But what happens when the definition of what everybody wants shifts? What is a corner really? And the definitions of marriage, the definitions of truth, the definitions of gender. What if everybody involved in the we, or part of the people involved in the we, change the definition of what stuff means? Then what happens is every single thing that's built upon the cornerstone is going to crumble and fall. Make sense? Now you can build upon an I what do I want? You just better make sure you can stand up under anything and everything of eternal significance. You can build a, your life upon a we. Just make sure you're ready when everything else shifts on top of your foundation. It's for these problems that God, our Creator, has placed a cornerstone by grace in this world who is Christ Jesus. He's offering Redemption, and he's providing a sure foundation that is framed by good justice and good righteousness. You can build a life off that. You're like, well, Brian, what happened with the whole Egypt and Judah thing? I'm glad you asked. Paul Harvey used to say, now you know the rest of the story. Let me tell you the rest of the story 
from 2 Chronicles 32.20. But Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, they prayed about this. Remember the possible partnership with Egypt. And they cried out to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel and destroyed every mighty warrior and commander and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned in shame to his own land. And when he had entered the temple of his God, some of his own children killed him there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. They avoided the deadly disappointment. Friends, there is holy infidelity, there is political instability in our day. Uncertainty. It seems like there is this enemy in the midst that's coming down and is sweeping through. It's taken after one fortification after another, institution after another institution, church after church, family after family, economic uncertainty, social unrest, racial tension, threats without, fears within. But just know this, the true enemy is not coming for a capital. He's coming for your heart. So you have a decision to make for 2020 and in the days to follow. You can look for allies around you or just to yourself. But allies that will give you security and hope and peace. You can look for an Egypt. You can go a political route, a social media route. You can go all those other alternatives. I'm going to say that'll disappoint you. Or you can look for a cornerstone to build on, regardless of what may come. If you've already confessed Jesus with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're following him, amen. Good. Now is the time in our national dilemma, in our moment and season of uncertainty, in our discernment dance, to functionally live that confession of faith in our day-to-day. Shaping your emotions and your decisions on God's Word and not the alternatives and opinions of they and everybody else. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do that this morning. Just right after the service, come and see Joe and myself. We'll be happy to guide you of how to build your life on the cornerstone of the person of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you this. If you choose that direction, He will surpass your expectations. And you'll avoid disappointment. Let's pray.